Canada on the march. This week, the nation was abuzz over the peculiar behavior of advertising bigwig and CBC radio host Terry O'Reilly. Rumors flew just days ago when the perspicacious Prince of Persuasion circulated wild rumors about the subject of this weekend's episode of his national radio program. Colleague Keith Oman was there. He told me he wanted to do a show that defends the advertising business. Of course I laughed, but he didn't laugh back. As heretical as it is true, O'Reilly bowed to dedicate an entire program defending the place of advertising in 21st century life. As if to clear security at the departure gate of his senses, O'Reilly then engaged in a string of, well, un-O'Reilly-like incidents. Says, Monday, he was spotted tugging on Superman's cape. Wednesday, witnesses observed him expectorating into the wind. On Friday, he was spotted inquiring as to the whereabouts of the Lone Ranger. He then proceeded to the Brockdan Motor Hotel in Sudbury, where he demanded a glass of milk. Federal, provincial, and local officials working in lockstep and using state-of-the-art technology, like the telephone, have promised a wary public that O'Reilly will be diverted from his reckless course. They have vowed to leave no stone unturned. Tom? Until Terry O'Reilly is located. If you spot him, they urge you to keep him talking until the authorities can be... Tom. One moment, Terry, I'm working. Summoned, and once and for all... Tom, I'm right here. Oh. Found him. My name is Terry O'Reilly. The... What was it? Perspicacious Prince of Persuasion. Yeah. Join me over the next few minutes, and I'll take you on an important and highly unpopular case. I'm going to tell you why advertising plays a positive, even necessary role in the age of persuasion. I want chicken. I want liver. I want a bottle of Coca-Cola, need. That's us. I see me the ball. Hey, great. A toothpaste good fight, Captain. I can't believe I ate that all. Beautiful Bradley table lamp, fashioned in walnut and red. And now, Terry O'Reilly and the Age of Persuasion. There you go again. Where better to start than the old Age of Persuasion mailbag? Let's see. Reg Nylander of Labrador City writes, Dear Terry O'Reilly, I hate advertising. It is intrusive and manipulative, brainwashing people into buying things they don't want. Of course, it doesn't work on me. Hmm. And another from... Ms. Ramona Dunsmuir of Joliet, Quebec writes, Dear Terry O'Reilly, Advertising began as a curiosity that blossomed into an intrusion and finally a full-blown media pandemic. It pervades our culture like a virus and pollutes everything we say or do. I wish advertising had never been born. P.S. Can you autograph the enclosed Boston Bruins mini stick for my nephew, Dale? <sighs> well, Ramona, I... Wait a minute. 
wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think, Keith? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. Ramona, you've got your wish. Advertising has never been born. You don't have to make all that fuss about it. You'll find things are plenty different on the Canadian landscape now that advertising never existed. Things are sure different for me, at least. With no advertising, I have no business, no job, and nothing to talk about on my show. So, if you don't mind, I'll just squeegee your windshield while we talk. There you go. Look around. It's a sight, isn't it? No billboards, no murals, no posters, no signs, no ads in washrooms, not in elevators or in golf holes or in transit vehicles. <laughs> you think this is something? You should get a load of Times Square. Care to see how different the world is? Grab a newspaper. Grab ten if you like. They're awfully light. That is, if you can afford ten. Without advertising to underwrite costs, your newspaper is plenty expensive. What with the cost of reporting, editing, writing, composing, production, and delivery. The same is true with magazines, though there have been a few ad-free exceptions to the rule. Consumer Reports declines paid ads to avoid conflicts of interest. Adbusters declines ads because, well, they're adbusters. Ms. Magazine had trouble with advertisers and advertising since its beginnings in 1972, when news anchor Harry Reasoner pre-eulogized, "I'll give it six months before they run out of things to say." Well, Harry left us in 1991, but Ms. is still alive and kicking. In the early 90s, it experimented with an ad-free format. The $2.50 cover price shot up to $6. In time and several changes of ownership, Ms. came to accept mission-minded ads. Nowadays, the cover price is listed at $15, with full-page ads costing a cool $3,800 U.S. There, as clean as a baby's. Hey, come on! How about a little something for a latte? Oh hey, come on in. With no ad industry to sustain me, I had some time to kill, and thought you might want to see my new 42-inch HD TV. Thank goodness for Consumer Reports. So I bought it in the first store I visited. Maybe there are sales in other stores, but then how would I know that? Ad legend David Ogilvy once said. I do not regard advertising as entertainment or an art form, but as a medium of information. It was put another way, and a little more pithily, by the great Howard Luck Gossage, who said, "The real fact of the matter is that nobody reads ads. People read what interests them. Sometimes it's an ad." In my experience, almost everyone, including me, Believes that flyers are an aggravating, irritating waste of paper, energy, and resources, except those that contain something interesting to us, perhaps a deal on something you're looking for, or the announced arrival of a new product, or the opening of a store you want to visit. But enough of that. I want you to see my new TV. Let's see what's on. 
Oh, that's right. There's no advertising to underwrite commercial programming. Not to worry. There's always ad-free public television. That is, if it can survive without ads. My uncle had a Home Depot book. I borrowed it one day, and I never returned it. When I finished this project, I, I felt like uh, I could do anything, actually. The Home Depot is proud to support this old house and to give you the confidence to take on any project. Before you can catch up with this old house, for instance, you need a reciprocating saw to negotiate all the sponsorship messages that help keep the show ad-free. State Farm, a proud supporter of this old house. The earliest settled part of New Orleans is right here. To drop these non-commercials is going to cut into production budgets. I suppose for some shows that'll mean less travel, fewer hosts, and almost certainly more pledge drives. Oh, nine? Nine million people. A little over nine million people that watch Channel 7 in Washington State and British Columbia. Of course, you can always watch movies. Though, without advertising to drive theater going and video sales, the industry will be a lot different, and almost certainly smaller than what you're used to. Me, I love my business, but I'm no advertising apologist. Ad clutter is a media pandemic, and too many ads lobbed at you every day are ill-conceived, poorly executed, even committed into a drab vanilla gruel of pictures, sounds, and ideas. Still, what would be the cost if my industry didn't exist? Consider what would happen to charities. From Habitat for Humanity, to Amnesty International, to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, to the Stephen Lewis Foundation, advertising plays a vital role in driving the funding of an interest in so many of the world's great causes. Great ads drive them even better. Schizophrenia is not a split personality. It's a complicated imbalance in the brain that makes it seem like you just can't pick up the right signal. Your thoughts become confusing and frag fragmented. It's frightening, and it's more common than you think. But it's also almost always treatable. So don't adjust your dial. Adjust your attitude. Visit bcss.org, the BC Schizophrenia Society. We'd like to change your mind. That spot brings to bear all the strengths of great creative advertising. From a great announcer read, to the use of audio metaphors, to make the problem of schizophrenia accessible and a little more understandable. Every year, countless millions of dollars worth of resources, so many of them donated free, are given by advertisers, agencies, production houses, actors, musicians, and broadcasters to drive organizations that leave the global campsite just a little better than we found it. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, it's your brain. It's Thursday. Um, fifth maybe? I don't know. Uh, just thinking, you know, maybe we should quit smoking. Your brain again. Uh, just saw you know who. I think we have a shot if your breath and clothes don't always smell like cigarettes. It's just a thought. Uh, still thinking about the smoking thing. Also, who sings that song? You know, the one, the, the, boy, I'm gonna love you. That's driving me insane. Hey, me again. Uh, garden hose, ski goggles, duct tape. And, yeah, let's, um, let's quit smoking. Okay, the homemade bee catcher suit, 
was, um, is a bad idea. Uh, quitting smoking thing, still a good idea. Quit smoking. Quit smoking. Quit smoking now. Quitting on your mind? You're not alone. Two out of three kids who smoke want to quit. We can help. Call 1-888-567-TRUTH. These days, so many major sports serve two masters, money and the game itself. Have a look around and see what major league sports become without advertising money to fuel them. There's an upside here. Players are here for the love of the game. They need to be. Most have day jobs so they can afford to play at night. And who has money for performance-enhancing drugs? Without TV ad revenues, who can afford lofty travel budgets? So leagues will likely be divided by geography into regions. And leagues might be confined to areas with a genuine passion for the sport. Revenues here aren't about TV rights. They're about bums in seats, which, according to recent attendance figures, might spell an end to hockey in Florida, Columbus, even Chicago. It might mean so long to baseball's Florida Marlins, Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and Kansas City Royals. It might mean no more NBA for Indiana, Memphis, and Philadelphia. All rank lowest in fan draw, at home and on the road. Rather than chase new fans, after all, how could they, sports would instead preach to the choir, focusing on their core followers. The danger is that a lack of growth could bring some sports to a slow, gradual demise. Meanwhile, the lack of revenue might lead to one of the great ancient temptations, gambling. Cash-strapped players will be sorely tempted to take a few bucks in exchange for running up or down a score. Say it ain't so, Terry. It's so, kid. Oh, nuts. The big difference you'll notice is little or no TV sports. Perhaps just some pay-per-view here and there. At least now when you say, there's nothing on, it's because there's nothing on. There's a case to be made that sport might benefit from a world without advertising. Big league sports would become smaller and will depend more on pure fans than casual observers. And think of the wear and tear it would save on TV clickers come playoff time. Still, if you think an end of advertising might mean an end to pitches, baseball and otherwise, I've got a surprise for you. And it's standing right outside your front door. My name is Terry O'Reilly, and this is the Age of Persuasion. Pop Quiz Without advertising, how do businesses sell products and services? Hello. May I speak to the man of the house? Well, I, uh... Oh, it's all right. You'll do. Are you tired of the daily tug-of-war with your wash? Kiss static cling goodbye with this new scented bounce. Okay, but I'm not really interested in... Of course not. But who wouldn't be interested in a Hyundai Sonata? With more horsepower than a BMW 535i... I'm not really looking for a car... That's okay. Because what we should really be discussing is, you know, EDS. Look, I'm kind of getting a headache. Would you describe it as pain or Motrin pain? New formula Motrin is proven to relieve... Ow. Okay, that's Motrin pain. 
It was Fairfax Cone of the ad agency Foot Cone and Belding who once said, Advertising is what you do when you can't go see somebody. That's all it is. In a world without advertising, the flip side of that idea is, going to see somebody is what you do when you can't advertise. Who to thunk advertising is a relatively passive, subtler, less abrasive way of selling a product. I heard that. Let's try an experiment. I'm a little nervous, but uh, here it goes. And now down the runway, here comes Terry, wearing a noisy blue shirt with cotton tee, jeans, nobody's sure what brand, some well-scuffed brown shoes, and the first pair of socks he could grab in the morning without waking his wife. Accenting Terry's shirt are the splatters of the cream of asparagus soup from lunch, as if to underline the adage, Terry looks great in everything he eats. You know people say, it doesn't get any better than this? Without marketing, the fashion industry really doesn't get any better than this. How come? Well, I'll bet you a nickel that without advertising, the fashion industry wouldn't exist. Fashion isn't about products so much as it's about ideas and attitudes. A Ralph Lauren isn't a particular material or specific cut. It's a style, created from a given feel or brand personality. Fashion is a specific genus of brand, whose image can only really be translated through fashion advertising, as in Vanity Fair. True, fashions flourished prior to the modern age of persuasion, but their success depended on word of mouth and third-party reviews. Today, no entrepreneur would dare ship a fashion line worldwide without the safety net of brand support. Just wait. By this time next week, everyone will be wearing scuffed brown shoes. What, I wonder, would a world without advertising be like here, on the Internet? Let's see. cbc.ca backslash ape... wait... Age of Persuasion. cbc.ca backslash ape... wait... Age of Persuasion. Ooh, online streaming. Since the internet exploded across world culture in the 90s, it's been fueled by advertising, including, it seems, cbc.ca. But that'll be our little secret. The point is, the information highway is paved with advertising, or, more properly, ad revenue. Google, for instance, makes the vast majority of its revenue from advertising more than $16 billion in the 2006 fiscal year. And though there's somewhat hush-hush about it, there's enormous potential online for data mining, tracking consumer information based largely on information you provide. Of course, without advertising, data mining is of limited use. So let's send Google to that big recycling bin in the desktop of life. Facebook, same deal. So let's delete that. In fact, between advertising and data marketing related to advertising, you can deep six a great many of your favorite internet sites. Well, there it is. The building I used to work in. Back when, well, you know, there used to be advertising. Nothing goes on in there now. 
but I can tell you there used to be a lot of hustle and bustle in our company's lobby. Actors would come and go all the time, sometimes a dozen at once, auditioning or voicing radio ads and TV voiceovers. Of course, there aren't as many actors around these days, partly because there are no commercially driven stations and networks producing programs, but also because there's no work in commercials. For thousands of up-and-coming actors, advertising pays, or would have paid, the bills when the phone wasn't otherwise ringing. For established actors, advertising provides good, steady work. For instance, in my non-squeegee life, I had the pleasure of directing Justin Kirk, a co-star in the popular series Weeds, in voiceovers for Pedigree Dog Food. See that? You're helping him remove plaque and tartar buildup with natural scrubbers. And you didn't even get drool on you. Pedigree Dentabone. Deep cleaning that keeps him busy. Justin's one of the great up-and-coming actors, and working with him is an absolute pleasure. Amazing when you think about it, the number of actors who cut their teeth doing commercial work. Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt, Matt LeBlanc, Keanu Reeves, Leonardo DiCaprio, and a couple of actors I got to work with. Charlie's angel Shelley Hack, who also pitched Charlie Perfume, and a then-unknown Ellen DeGeneres. Without advertising, many actors, artists, designers, and writers would be out of work. Okay, unless you want to count hanging out on King Street, slinging a squeegee. Hi, can I... Have a nice day! So far, I've defended advertising as a vehicle for consumer information, and also as a means of underwriting broadcast, the internet, and paying the freight for major sports. Now, let me go out on a limb. I think our culture would miss the colors and textures of great ad creative. Granted, the really great advertising gets harder and harder to find, but it's always there. And my world, for one, would be a little more bleak were it not for ads like this. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Doggy Day Spa Operator. Mr. Doggy Day Spa Operator. Watching your dog endure the hard knock life of sleeping, eating, and going number two. You created a doggy utopia for him to sleep, eat, and go number two. That's $200. Leaving your dog in a car on a 90 degree day, inhumane. Leaving your dog in a 90 degree sauna, pampering. Another $200. Some people shave their dogs for the summer. You shave them, trim their split ends, and add highlights. Your bill, $600. So crack open an ice cold Bud Light Oak Primper of the Pooch. Every dog will have its day as long as it has an appointment. Mr. Doggy, Bud Light Beer at Isaac Bush, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, game's over. I want my company back. My job, and let me add, loud and proud, baby, I want a world with advertising in it. If I had a nickel for every time I hear someone say, I hate advertising, well, I'd be challenging Sudbury as the nickel capital of the world. And that's fair enough. Advertising tends to intrude where it has no business, 
and overstays whatever welcome it has. Yet, so much of the time, advertising helps us relate to things we need and things we want. It conveys information we need and underwrites so much of the news and entertainment we take for granted. As Jean-Marie Drew, president of a major global ad firm, once noted, advertising is a catalyst for innovation. It stimulates competition, creates demand, it is the accelerator of the economy. Tens, probably hundreds of thousands of Canadians make their living in some form of marketing and advertising. Annual ad spending in Canada can probably be measured in the tens of billions of dollars. That in turn feeds artists and broadcasters and bean counters and untold numbers of staffers and freelancers. And musicians. So many musicians gig as commercial composers and players on commercial music. Waning artists scoop much needed income by licensing their songs for use in ads. And ad sponsorship gives wings to so many concert tours. At its best, advertising adds a dimension to everyday life, which I suspect many people would miss, maybe just a little, if it were taken away. Does advertising make life wonderful? Nah. But if you can imagine life completely without it, compared to what's around us now, maybe, just maybe, you'd conclude that advertising doesn't suck as bad as some may think. And trust me, in an industry as disparaged as it is misunderstood, doesn't suck can feel like winning a Nobel Prize in the age of persuasion. The Age of Persuasion is created and written commercial-free by Terry O'Reilly and Mike Tennant, who without advertising would be... Excuse me, guys. You uh, missed a spot? Whoops. Here you go. Engineer Keith Oman. will engineer for food. Title theme by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre, whose comprehensive strategic portfolio of equities, fixed income securities, and mysterious offshore holdings mean... Well, let's just say they don't worry. The Age of Persuasion is produced for CBC Radio by Pirate Toronto.